Welcome to Unfrozen. I'm Dan Safarik. And I'm Greg Lindsay. And our guest today, Dan, sits at the intersection of two of our interests, uh, mine being artificial intelligence, yours being cross-laminated timber. And we have today Mick Marashko, who is the co-founder of Maestro, which advertises itself as an AI timber startup, uh, spun out of Carlo Rodi Associati, of course, Carlo and the MIT Sensible City Lab, uh, going way back. And we're very... Uh, happy to have Mick on today to talk about, yeah, basically how they're using AI as part of their digital fabrication and how that applies to CLT. So thanks for joining us, Mick. Wonderful. It's great to be with you guys. So as a first question, I think we have to ask, you know, AI and timber seem like a counterintuitive combination, right? How did it come about to combine these two things and, and why, why should they be combined? What's the impetus? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we can look at it from kind of two perspectives. One that is more poetic in a way, uh, that timber is by nature one of the most you know, primordial materials. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's timber as in timber of the primitive hut. Um, and there's something beautiful about trying to supercharge uh, a kind of primordial material with the technology of today in order to make it more efficient, more sustainable, in order to bring construction to kind of a new era of um, green and innovative solutions. On the other hand, there is kind of the more technical answer, which is that um, mass timber production is certainly the future to decarbonize our industry. And yet the pr production process of manufacturing mass timber products right now is rather inefficient. In fact, if we look at uh, kind of the production of CLT, uh, right now it is happening through uh, rectilinear lamellas and the production of those lamellas is not very efficient in taking the volume of, of timber in a tree trunk and transforming that into raw material for the panel. You know, we waste something like 60% of the tree trunk when we try to cut it down into lamellas. And that really comes from the fact that we take these natural forms of the forest and we transform them into rectilinear shapes that are then turned into our, our cross-laminated panels. What AI timber looks at doing is using LIDAR scanning of the raw material of the tree trunk and uh, generative optimization to figure out what is the least amount of timber that we can cut from a circular log in order to end up with tessellating pieces that come together to form a cross-laminated timber panel. In doing so, we achieve uh, material efficiency. We're uh, in the order of 30% more efficient than the market offering uh, of, of, of CLT produced in the traditional way. But we also end up with a panel that kind of celebrates the shapes of the forest. Because as you can imagine, the lamellas are shaped by uh, the natural curves of the tree. And it's something that we celebrate on the exposed surface of the panel. That is fascinating. Um, so I guess I have to ask, uh, you know, based on, you've produced some prototypes of this. And they've been shown in a couple of contexts, one of which is uh, Tongji University, which I wouldn't call my alma mater, but, but is a place to which I also have a connection because I was once the China office director uh, for the council in that location. So I know exactly where these went on display. Um, the shapes are very organic looking, as you might not be surprised to learn. Um, but how do you see this as assisting with buildability? And, and, and another thing I should back up and, and have you defined first is lamella. Those of us who work in the timber world know what this is, but a lot of listeners will not. The small pavilion built in Tongji uh, was you know, a proof of concept for this technology done together with about 20 PhD students that are enrolled in a kind of digital fabrication program there. And 
you know, it was the first test to see how this combination of uh, LiDAR imaging, of AI optimization, and of digital fabrication using, using robotic uh, milling can create uh, these panels that use timber more efficiently. But thinking about the future for this kind of technology, um, you know, right now, this is something that we are trying to deploy on uh, a series of high-end residential projects here in, in Europe. Um, by nature of the kind of complex fabrication that one has to do to end up with an AI timber panel, um, the cost of manufacture right now is, is, is far from uh, competitive to, 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 to the market offering. But we believe that as time goes on and as CNC fabrication becomes cheaper and cheaper, it would be possible to produce CLT like this on a mass scale. And you know, this is just one of the different pieces of research that we're doing, uh, looking at making uh, mass timber more, more materially efficient and better at sequestering carbon. Excellent. Um, I, you know, I, I think we've had CNC machines for a while. We've had laminated timber panels for a while. AI's machine learning anyway is relatively established as a, as a technology. What was the roadblock to having all these come together and how was it overcome? Yeah, so I think you, you touch on something quite interesting here. And I think it's part of a bigger question. It's part of a kind of bigger discourse that over the last hundred years, kind of the world around us seems to have moved on. Uh, technological progress has taken the manufacturing world kind of forward by, by leaps in terms of the kind of efficiency gains they're able to, to, to achieve. And yet construction seems to have stood still. Um, you know, if we think about the telegraph operator and the mason, the telegraph operator might have nothing to do with the modern communication specialist. And yet the mason might very much feel at home 100 years ago as they might today. So thinking about um, this as, as, as background, uh, what we realized is that in order to make construction more efficient, in order to make construction more sustainable, one does not need to do hard science at this moment in time. Instead, we need to take existing innovations from other industries and thread them together to create solutions that are fit for our, for our purpose, for our industry. Um, you're completely right that, uh, you know, LiDAR scanning, CNC manufacture, uh, machine learning are things that have been around for, for longer than, than at least my lifetime. And yet the combination of the three can create, you know, solutions that are very much targeted at problems in our industry. And in some way, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. It, it's a curse because clearly we are, we are behind in some way. If you look at the percentage of R&D spend that construction industry companies spend uh, out of their revenue, you know, it's, it's one of the last in the, in the layup. It's, it's, it's second to none except for forestry. Um, you know, so clearly there's a problem. But it also means that there are a lot of low-hanging fruit that we can target to make construction more efficient. You know, some innovations such as what we're proposing here with AI timber strike at the heart of material production and as a result, maybe more, more difficult to achieve. As I said, there is uh, kind of a, still a timeline ahead of us to make sure that this is uh, in line with what the market is, is offering. However, if we think, think about it, there are uh, kind of other innovations that we can uh, take advantage of that are much more immediate. One of them being digital fabrication. So um, something that Maestro specializes in and is, is our core business today is the fabrication and design of uh, dry mount building systems, all of which are produced here in, in Europe, in Austria, Switzerland and northern Italy um, and are done so using CNC machinery and then shipped over to our, to our construction sites, which are both on, on this side of the ocean as well as in the in the US. So kind of the, the big thesis that uh, that Carlo and I came at, came came up with 
uh, almost a year and a half ago when we started working on Maestro is let's take technological progress that has been proven in the manufacturing world, uh, in the technological world, and let's translate that for our industry. Well, fascinating. Well, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, can you talk a bit more about the, the compute side of it and the AI side of it? I, I'm curious, like how many, how much compute does it take? How many runs does it take to basically do that puzzle assembly piece? And then how does it translate out as a series of instructions? And how much difficulty is your supplier network having with that? I mean, I'm assuming it's just spitting it out as CNC programming instructions. But I am curious, like how many possible variations of assemblage are there? And how do you choose for the optimal one? I mean, is it just optimized to minimize waste? Are there other ways to optimize it as well? How do you, um, yeah, how do you uh, parse those variables, I guess? Yeah, so uh, originally the idea was to come up with a, a proof of concept where we can kind of minimize the amount of variables and see how much gain in terms of material efficiency we can achieve. So uh, kind of practically what was done uh, using AI timber in, in Shanghai is we took a set of uh, flat, uh, flat sawmilled uh, pieces of timber that came from, from tree trunks. We scanned those and using our, our algorithm, we basically uh, just computed the, the loss function involved with uh, taking a, an arrangement of planks, putting them one after the other and figuring out, you know, what is the volume of timber that one needs to cut away in order to achieve a perfect tessellation. And then using a uh, machine learning algorithm, we uh, computed kind of what is the most efficient possible combination or uh, sequence of boards in order to, um, you know, optimize that loss function. Um, that was kind of the, the, let's say, simplest approach to, to, to to getting this done. Um, then the result of this optimization is effectively just a list of, of IDs, a list of uh, an order in which the planks must appear in order to create a perfectly tessellating efficient CLT layer. Uh, then that goes on to, to another program that uh, in, in, takes in as an input the raw um, geometries of all of those planks and takes in as the second input the correct order and computes how one must cut them. So in the case of this prototype, uh, we cut it using a uh, six-axis industrial robot, the program for which was generated from, uh, from this data. However, thinking uh, kind of towards the future, what we're working on right now is a similar algorithm that works not on scans of individual planks, which are quite easy to compute for, but rather works on scans of the full tree trunk. Um, and this is something that, as you might imagine, has a kind of second order of magnitude in terms of complexity, because not only do you need to understand what is the most efficient order of um, flat sawn boards, but you also must understand what is the most efficient way to flat saw the, the log in the first place. So whereas uh, for the original prototype, we were looking at a compute time that was under uh, you know, 10 minutes, um, we are now looking at um, taking some of that compute out into the cloud and having um, you know, much more powerful machines um, understand the, the, the most efficient, efficient solution that one, one, one can have here. And something to note is that the, the problem, of course, scales as, as, as we scale the production of this. Uh, in Shanghai, we were looking at a pavilion that uh, measured only a few square meters in footprint. Uh, but if one were to imagine building a, a CLT plant that would run this way, uh, you would for certain need to take advantage of uh, larger machinery to, 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 to compute this problem. So here's a question. Uh, are these panels structurally sound in the same way that uh, you know a CLT 
panel would be? That are you essentially you are making CLT panels that are optimally shaped? Is is that right? Yeah. So uh, there is definitely no difference in terms of uh, structural integrity between this panel and a an equivalent one made from the same you know tree that would be done in a uh, in a traditional manner. The only difference there is. Uh, frankly, the material efficiency with which you are able to construct that panel. There is, however, one uh, potentially added benefit that we are studying right now, which is by nature of the way that we're cutting these boards, you have different lamellas that are interlocking with one another. And this interlocking of the panels is something that we hypothesize can help with resistance to shear forces within the panel. Um, it's something that we're testing on a, on a, on a, on a physical piece of, uh, of AI timber as we speak, uh, but we think that it can be, you know, an, a second order benefit to producing this kind of material in that way. So where can we go if we want to see the first uh, Maestro uh, commercial projects? That's, uh, that's a great question. So um, unfortunately, we don't have projects that are using AI timber live right now. As we've been discussing, it's something that is going to take us a little bit more time to set up a kind of full-scale production line for. However, currently we are um, ongoing with two projects, one in the, in the hills of Monferrato here in northern Italy. It's a project that uses uh, CLT in order to um, breathe new life into, an, uh, into a kind of a ruin of a building. Um, and the building that we're working with is actually a 17th century monastery uh, that has been burned down 100 years ago. And using LiDAR scanning, we are able to uh, design a set of CLT volumes that insert into the existing ruin to create kind of modern habitat within the, the historic structure. So that's uh, something where we've broken ground on, on the project uh, earlier this summer, and we expect it to be complete in the, in the spring. Um, again, the, the, the innovation to do with digital fabrication and offsite manufacture, allowing us to hit that kind of ambitious timeline. Um, the second project, which might be a little easier to, to visit for our audience, is over in Palm Beach in Florida, where we're working with our clients on uh, constructing a private school. Um, and the private school is something that takes, uh, you know, it's, it's in a way, again, an adaptive reuse project that takes two existing buildings and connects the two using a, um, a small building co constructed by Maestro, designed by CRA, uh, which has been manufactured out of uh, steel, glass and CLT, uh, over here in Europe and shipped uh, to the States earlier uh, this uh, this autumn. And I'll be over there around about Thanksgiving time to, to get that assembled. Um, so those are the kind of the, the things we're doing day to day. Um, but as mentioned, the the goal here is that uh, within within um, a timeline of, of a year or so, we will be able to use some of these upstream technologies to construct uh, to construct our projects too. That's outstanding. So it's really a, a case of uh, you're able to export this technology, you're able to export the, the panels overseas. And this is something that you know is, is, is inherent to the, uh, the nature of the industry as it has developed uh, with Europe being the center of the innovation with CLT. Um, do you find that the material efficiency uh, re is retained? Uh, rather, I should say that the carbon footprint is 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 sufficiently mitigated by by choosing this production method and then shipping the panels overseas. I always find it somewhat ironic that you know it is a, it is a carbon sequestration activity to to bring all these uh, 
these elements together, but then if they're on a boat that goes all the way around the world uh, to the construction site, uh, what is the balance there in terms of, you know, carbon footprint? And can can your solution, you know, intercede in that equation? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that we posed hard and long questions to ourselves um, about when we when we started off the the project and we kind of, when, when we sort of designed the blueprint for the company in the first place. And we've got two answers for that. So first, on the specific case of the project in Palm Beach, using CLT, using mass timber, has allowed us to substitute a structure in reinforced concrete. And despite uh, the added uh, impact, the added carbon impact of shipping something across the Atlantic, um, we are still able to uh, come out on top when it comes to the embodied carbon on this project. Um, however, we think that there is kind of a, a, a bigger scale answer here. And just like with AI Timber, we're working on a, on, a, on a different upstream piece of research, which is looking towards uh, South America um, in uh, setting up a kind of a CLT plant there that would use not SPF, but use other species of timber, such as eucalyptus, which are much better at sequestering carbon that grow three times as fast. And using this kind of more invasive species that is uh, faster growing, better at sequestering carbon to, con to, to manufacture CLT panels that are closer to, to the American market. So this is kind of one of the things that we've got in the pipeline. Uh, but despite this, as of today, uh, we do you know, quite rigorous carbon accounting on, on all, of, all of the projects, you know, it, 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 if it doesn't make sense to, to, to use this approach of manufacturing things in Europe and shipping across, uh, across the ocean, uh, it's something that we will definitely be upfront with a client about. Interesting. I want to come back to the AI side of it again for a moment, too, in terms of the optimization of this as well. How much, you know, as you're assembling the stack, I'm curious on the computation side, how much of that is a step change or how much room do you think there is for continuous improvement in the optimization? I mean, uh, I'm sort of curious, like, what, what other areas are you looking to glean further efficiencies from? Because it sounds like obviously you're thinking very hard about materiality, thinking about transportation costs as well. But just coming back to sort of the pure assemblage, I'm curious, like, is that because this is a, a debate we're having about generative AI with with the um, with the uh, innovation design consortium that I'm working with as well in the sense of, you know, is this a quantum leap forward that will hockey stick growth or is it just simply a step change? Uh, because these large models are already maxing out as well. So I'm curious from the machine learning side of it, yeah, how much further efficiency gains do you think you can have in terms of assembling the puzzle? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I think that deploying AI, uh, deploying uh, machine learning models to the production of CLT uh, panels is definitely a step change. It's not a, it's not an evolution here because we're going from something that is very rudimental in terms of uh, how a piece of uh, timber is being cut into lamellas uh, to having a much more complex process. And you know, machine learning is definitely part of the puzzle, but I think it's important to remember that it is very much connected to the fact that we are physically cutting the, the tree in a different way, right? And the, the combination of the two is really the step change. Then um, we're also looking at other applications of, of AI and machine learning in the AEC sector. One of these is looking at our process of design for manufacturing, of designing, um, you know, taking a BIM model and unpacking it into a set of components that can be fit for digital fabrication, including components that are CLT, including components like glass, or steel. Um, and there we think that we can use some of those uh, uh, generative AI models to help automate some of that process. And I think, again, that's one of those moments whereby uh, the insertion of AI into the, the loop can create a, a 
really a step change in terms of the efficiency with which we are able to do that process. Uh, but that's something that you know is, is, is yet to be proven, and we're working hard uh, to test on our projects. So yeah, in, in my in my kind of view, simply because the construction sector uh, is right now not using uh, these kind of tools, uh, the insertion of them into our workflow can really create a a big leap forward, uh, a big leap forward in terms of the speed at which we're able to deliver projects, but also the the, the, the carbon impact that those projects can have. Yeah, one of the big, big complaints about um, CLT or designing in mass timber is that, especially in multi-story buildings, which is which is the area that I work in, is, you know, morphologically, they're pretty limited um, in the sense that you're basically putting rectilinear plates against each other. Um, you know, that's something that uh, I think, uh, you know, blank speculations with the Jennifer Bonner and... Uh, 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 Hanif Kara collaboration has alluded to, um, but trees themselves, you know, are efficient structures, right? They, there's many non-timber parametric designs that we've seen that claim to mimic trees and their structural properties. Do you think AI timber is going to, to change that? Because when I originally saw this, um, I thought, okay, well, that's, that's beautiful, uh, but does it have the practical applications and the way you've described it is that it's it's also structurally efficient. So I'm I'm curious if we're going to see, if we're expecting to see fewer because of these efficiencies, will we see more tree-like buildings? Yeah. So I think the answer to your question is kind of twofold. On one hand side, we've got to understand what we mean by tree-like buildings. Uh, we're definitely striving to be as efficient as the tree, as light on the planet as the tree. Um, but maybe taking literally the, the shape of the tree and transforming that into architecture might not necessarily be the answer here. So what AI Timber does, right, is that that technology, it takes as an, as an input something that is, is natural, that is formed by, uh, by the tree. And as an output, it gives you a standard dimensioned engineered building product that one can use to build, you know, rectilinear rooms of a, of a tower. And I think that there is where the kind of the crux of our solution is in, right? We're not trying to translate the kind of parametricism of the tree into the, the, the physical geometry of the building, but rather looking at it on a much smaller scale, on the scale of the building material. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the scalable part about this, right? Because um, what we're proposing is that we learn from nature in the way that we make materials, but we create spaces in our cities uh, that are fit for purpose, that are fit for purpose in our kind of post-industrial world. And that means working with rectilinear uh, building products that are easy to assemble, easy to transport, um, you know, efficient transport as well, going back to what we said previously. Um, that's kind of where AI Timber is. Then something exciting that we are um, exploring right now is doing an artistic installation that takes the technology behind AI Timber and experimenting with what kind of 3D forms you could achieve by uh, taking you know, one strata of our CLT layer and uh, forming it in different ways to create these double curved surfaces that are a result of a geometry of a, of a tree that, that live nearby. But that's something separate, right? So AI Timber as a, as a core concept is about taking in the complexity of the forest in one end and outputting a materially efficient product that is simple to build with out of the other. Another question is, is, you know, I know this is an optimization uh, problem that you've tried to solve here with minimizing waste. Uh, is there a second product line that might be inherent in the offcuts we've seen 
furniture produced from offcuts and and uh, you know but is is the is the efficient is the process too efficient to generate a, a viable uh, upstream supply for offcut uh, products? Yeah, so I think it's something important to kind of bear in mind is that um, although we are the first people to our knowledge that are applying kind of AI and machine learning towards optimizing the production of these CLT lamellas, the timber production and processing industry has been around for, for much longer than, than we have. And, you know, the, the timber industry has gotten very good at taking the offcuts from the sawmilling process and using that to make particle board products, uh, sometimes using that to make biomass, which, which has, of course, some uh, uh, linked downsides there in terms of the carbon footprint uh, with it. But the important thing is that those technologies of how to use the offcuts already exist. Um, there is kind of a, a very mature supply chain for using uh, sawdust and, uh, and pieces of timber that are, that are not being uh, processed into mass timber products. So there is some degree of offcuts still with AI timber because one still needs to trim part of the tree in order to achieve that tessellation. Um, but nonetheless, those offcuts are, are, are much fewer. Um, and to us, that's a big sustainability benefit, right? Because although the traditional timber industry uses the offcuts, the use of those offcuts comes with a, uh, with a negative carbon result for the planet, right? Because the, the products such as MDF require so much uh, glue and other uh, components in order for them to, 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 to function as a furniture product that they, they, they're very difficult to biodegrade, their production is carbon intensive and so on. So the more of the tree we can use in its natural form, in the form of mass timber, the, the better. And that's really kind of the, the scope of, of, of the technological progress we're, we're trying to do here. So the next question is, what's next for Maestro? What do you, what, what's, what's your next big project that you're uh, undertaking? The big next step, I wouldn't say is a, is a project, but rather uh, a process. What we're trying to, to achieve, what we're trying to establish is a kind of ironed out process of going from uh, a design and architectural intent that is context specific unpacking that architectural intent into a set of standard processes, processes to do with fabrication of how we manufacture as, as much of the building as we can off-site in a precise manner, and then packing that back up into a flat pack of components that arrives on site for rapid assembly. This process is something that we are working on ironing out. It's something that we're working on automating using AI. And uh, kind of the, the vision for Maestro is really beyond the, the few first pilot projects, uh, kind of a, slightly scattered across the, the globe, we want to uh, take our, our software pipeline that helps uh, contractors, that helps builders take architecture and transform that into a, not a question of construction, but a question of assembly. And we would like to, uh, to and then bring that to market as an offering uh, for the m many, many, many firms that, uh, that are engaged in the construction process worldwide. We've seen some uh, some early uh, uh, incursions into this market with some companies that ended up not being successful at it. We've seen Katera uh, kind of imploding, and we've seen uh, the the Google backed uh, project in <laughs> in Toronto. One of, one of my fellow fellows at Cornell Tech was involved in their CLT uh, factory uh, search slash acquisition for this. I was going to say I was going to follow up on that because like many startups have tried to you know inject productivity into construction, claiming that it is irreparably broken and failed for various reasons. I think Katera, which Dan mentioned, I think is indicative to me of the problem of trying to innovate every piece of it at once 
And that's why I'm curious on your side is like, what do you think the biggest bottleneck is to your vision? And, or what piece is unsolvable and you won't touch it because you could run aground at that particular spot? Yeah, so I think all of these are very valid comments regarding the, the kind of the big scale of the challenge that we're trying to take on here. The first kind of difference I'd like to point out between what we are doing and what, what some of our uh, competitors or by now past competitors have, have, have tried is that unlike Katera, um, we come at this problem with a degree of humility in that yes, construction is inefficient. Yes, construction has failed to adopt some of the technological progress that other industries have had you know, uh, an, an, an easier time bringing on board. But, and yet, uh, construction has a degree of complexity that's to do with the very craft of putting together a building that we cannot just come into the industry as a set of outsiders and you know, try to build that whole chain from scratch. Instead, what Maestro does is, you know, we don't own a single piece of, of machinery. Rather, we work with existing machinery operators that for generations have honed skill in their particular material that they are working with. Uh, a good example is a wood fabricator that we collaborate with uh, here in, in Northern Italy. That is the fourth generation of, of wood fabricators in that family that went from doing things by hand to doing things with machinery to doing things with machinery, it's computer numerically controlled, right? And so we, we, we take these suppliers from across material categories and we integrate them together into a, uh, into a network that produces our component parts. So we like to think of ourselves as the conductor to a symphony rather than the musician. The symphony is the craftsmen around the globe that know their material, that know the machinery that can manufacture those. And all we are doing is we're supplying code that runs on their machinery in order to produce our component parts. So this obviously has uh, an impact in terms of the, the, the fact that we're very capital light. We were able to, to bootstrap these, these, these past few projects without having to raise outside capital. I think that's very helpful to go at our own pace and learn a lot about the, uh, the kind of different small bottlenecks here and there uh, involved with getting this done. Um, but generally, I think it's, 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 it's a much more scalable approach, right? It's what will allow us to, 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 to go from a kind of technologically enabled construction firm to a SaaS business. Then looking at bottlenecks, kind of the big challenge that, that we see in it, that I think a lot of our competitors have faced uh, in the past is the moment that your millimeter precise uh, kind of bowing of a construction has to land in the real world of foundations with, with large tolerances and so on. And for this, you know, we are we're very grateful to have a, uh, a robotics engineer with uh, something like 30 years of construction industry experience, uh, Dr. Dr. Rossetti with us, who has kind of been, been looking at this question for, for most of his life. And together with him, we've designed a, a family of, of joints and connections that allow us to mediate between those two levels of tolerance, the tolerance uh, of, the, of the digitally fabricated world that is in the in the tenth of a millimeter, and the tolerance of the of the, of the raw construction world, right? You, you you get a set of foundations, and it's within you know at, at best a centimeter. Um, and so that's kind of one one of the challenges, but we definitely see uh, a way forward in terms of resolving that. It's about designing kind of uh, smart details and allowing uh, the the people on site that are assembling our product uh, to take up those tolerances with some mechanical components. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that you were also producing uh, components along with this. Uh, that definitely helps, you know, that helps deflate some of the arguments about, okay, so you've made these precision fitted panels, but then what happens when they get to the site? Um, that is that is always the, the question. And it also sounds like you're, you're, you're iterating forward with an incremental solution that solves some of the biggest 
you know, gaps in the process, but you're not wiping the slate clean and trying to start over because the construction industry is just so inefficient. We have to, we have to start over again. I, I think that's that's probably the right move uh, given the, the the prior experiences with some very well funded and, and larger uh, companies. No, I guess the last question I have is is uh, obviously your plan is the CLT, but I'm curious about whether there's any other potential materiality this could apply to. I mean, just particularly again on the AI side in the sense of um, yeah, resource optimization through machine learning puzzle fitting. You know, I, I've seen some interesting examples coming out of like ETH Zurich uh, in years past about basically what I think of as like sort of AI aesthetics as using digital fabrication, 3D printed materials, et cetera. And I'm sort of curious, like, I guess coming back to this is how will the aesthetics of buildings change, not just in CLT, but in other sorts of forms that are more heavily optimized? We've seen lots of experiments and lots of art projects. I'm curious if you've formulated a hypothesis about how building design will evolve in and reaction to and in tandem with the materiality optimization. Yeah, so I think this is kind of a, you've opened a whole new can of worms here because whereas for the first 30 minutes of this discussion, we were looking at uh, the more technological side of things, right? Of how uh, AI uh, can help us uh, can help us achieve more efficiency in terms of our building products, in terms of our materials. Uh, the question that you're raising now is really kind of the the impact of those innovations on aesthetics, and we have kind of two competing schools of thought on this. First, the products that we are uh, building at Maestro and the software pipeline that we're developing is designed to be. Uh, completely agnostic to the final design. So uh, we are quite confident that we can create uh, buildings and spaces that fit the desire of the individual architect and the individual client, and uh, we can just build that using digital tools. However, um, between our collaboration with, uh, with CRA, Carlos Design Firm, and Maestro, we're trying to push the boundary in terms of what is the logical conclusion for using digital fabrication in construction. Uh, something that we have seen so far is that um, an interesting result is uh, comes out when you start using steel that is that is digitally fabricated because one one kind of option that that, that you have is you know uh, laser cutting steel sections and then you create yourself a kind of st steel frame structures that are more traditional. But something else that one can do is uh, if you take sheet metal and if you uh, laser cut sheet metal and uh, kind of reinforce it with, with with fins made of the same material, you create uh, structural decks that are much thinner than, than you would usually be able to achieve, uh, have definitely a lot more fabrication involved, but as, as the cost of CNC goes down, that, 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 that becomes marginal. And so we, we, we've been uh, kind of uh, looking at how these kind of techniques can create opportunities that, that were not really in, that were not really available to architects before. A good example is a project uh, called Ago Modena, which is an adaptive reuse um, project out, out in Italy uh, that is uh, taking uh, an existing complex of buildings and transforming them into, into a museum complex. And there what we've been able to do is designing a, a steel structure that is kinetic, that is a kind of kinetic roof covering the, the big courtyard in, in, within the complex. And that steel structure is made uh, using digitally fabricated components. And you know, had, had one done this uh, in a more traditional manner, that structure would have had had, had, had to be kind of bulkier, heavier, and therefore the, the kinetic aspect of it wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible. So this is kind of one, one route of thinking, is that effectively digital fabrication means more efficiency possible with the material that you're using, means lightness, and can mean kinetic results uh, in, in, in your architectures. That's kind of an interesting route that we're exploring. A second route is kind of about learning from nature. 
So that's kind of where, where AI Timber comes in, where you're looking at uh, forms that one can find in the, in the natural landscape, and you're looking at tessellating those forms in order to create continuous surfaces that you can use in buildings. So, um, you know, I think AI Timber is the best example that we have built thus far, but something else that we're looking at is uh, looking at stone and looking at constructing with stone as uh, kind of craftsmen did for hundreds of years uh, in the in the Swiss Alps, constructing these uh, bivacs uh, on on uh, on the Alps using stone pieces that are not put together with mortar, but rather just tessellated thanks to their geometry. So this is a craft that has been alive in the in the Alpine region for generations, and uh, it's interesting to see how uh, AI and kind of uh, imaging again using lidar and, and a degree of um, kind of understanding of what's the best tessellation available to us uh, can create you know really interesting results in terms of uh, building with stone without uh, without mortar without um, other means of connecting the two. Um, so these are sort of the two competing competing uh, ideas. One is about creating a system which is agnostic to design, uh, but at the same time looking at it from a designer's perspective and, and understanding what are the results. Uh, for using this and embracing this technology in the way that we build. Artificial intelligence with kinetic results. Thank you, Mick Morosco from Maestro. This has been another episode of Unfrozen. Go and tell it to you.